Uh, it allowed me and uh, other leadership folk in, in Woodland Hills, as well as some of our young revolutionaries, to attend a conference that was being held in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, an Anabaptist around the world. Uh, it was an incredible gathering. And uh, it was just a great time. Uh, these are all folks who have caught the vision of a Jesus-looking God raising up a Jesus-looking people um, and um, take seriously the teachings of Jesus. And that's a unique thing. Maybe when he says love your enemies, he means love your enemies. I don't know. But uh, oh, it was just it, it had a kingdom flavor to it. The most exciting thing for me was, was just uh, the shared awareness that God is pouring out new wine. Old wineskins are breaking, and there's new wineskins coming into, into being. Uh, and it's an exciting thing. Around the world, people are just catching this vision on their own. Uh, we're not all networked yet, uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're catching this vision. And it's exciting. It's just exciting. Uh, I, I feel like, in fact, the shared sense is that we are on the cusp of something really huge and beautiful. Um, God, this new thing that God is doing. We're, I, I think we're at the cusp of a reformation that's going to make the Protestant Reformation look like a little hiccup. Uh, the, the face of what people identify as Christianity is going to be very different 50 years from now from what it is now. Uh, so it's cool. I feel blessed to be uh, living at this juncture of time. And we've got an important role to play in this. Um, and that's, that, that's exciting too. So, Hey, uh, God bless you guys. My name's Greg, if you don't know. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I, with Shauna, uh, applaud you for being here on this beautiful day, knowing that this is probably one of the last beautiful days we're going to have. And then we entered into the cold night of uh, 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 the terrible Minnesota winters and come up for eight months from now. But don't think about that. It'll get, to, get you depressed. Do not think about this being one of the last warm days we're going to have uh, before we get into this frozen tundra. Uh, yeah, put that aside and pay attention to what's being said here. All right. Um, you know... So we're, 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 we're on this series here on the charismatic gifts, this unique, unique category of gifts, whereas other lists of gifts are more about kind of innate aspects of our personality, our aptitudes, our potentials, the way God has just created us. Um, these gifts are directly given by the Holy Spirit, and it brings a supernatural dimension uh, to our walk with God. Uh, they're supernatural impartations. And so Paul uses a unique word for these. They're, they're, they're charisma, charismata. Um, and calls them manifestations of the Spirit. Um, when they are used rightly, they're beautiful. When they're used wrongly, they're ridiculous. But when they're used rightly, they're, things can happen that just... Oh, it, it, it just brings a confirmation of the reality of God. This, uh, on Friday, I was doing a podcast with this guy. Um, they have a, a website called discussinghell.com, I think it is. Uh, it's all about hell. I, I want to make a joke, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so it's, uh, uh, and, and so they, they were interviewing me on, on my view of hell, and it will be uh, broadcast this week sometime. Um, and so while I'm interviewing with this, this young guy, I just get a sense, Holy Spirit sense of, uh, just pay attention, there's something here that I'm supposed to notice. Um, so I, I don't know, I was just drawn to the kid, and um, after, after the podcast was done, I began to ask him questions, just kind of like flushing out things. Well, it turns out he's been a podrishner for like eight years, and he's read everything I've ever written in a bunch of other kingdom books, and this guy's thoroughly kingdomized. He just recently moved to Arizona, uh, he and his wife and a child, and uh, they're feeling very displaced. Um, they can't find any sort of church that they would identify as distinctly kingdom in their area, so they're thinking about starting a church, uh, just you know, a home church, and, but there's some trepidation around that. And, and so we started processing this, and we agreed that we'd have kind of a, uh, a relationship. I'll talk, you know, if he asks questions, he'll talk to me. And, you know, I've been doing that the last couple of years with uh, young revolutionaries around the world, uh, just kind of helping network this thing that God's doing. Well, it, it turned out, he, he says, I wasn't going to say this before, but since you brought this up, 
I, I, I didn't want to feel like I was manipulating you, but three days ago, I was at this market fair, and a guy came up to me out of nowhere, total stranger, and he didn't know if I was a Christian or an atheist or anything, but he, he said, uh, sir, I feel like God wants me to tell you something. Um, you're in a state of transition right now, and there's some anxiety around that, but a, uh, an older man is going to be coming into your life uh, who's going to help you through that transition. Uh, and it's going to happen very soon, so keep your eyes open. Uh, no, I'm not old, so they can't refer to me, but <laughs> someone's going to come into this guy's life. I just know it. I just know it. No, isn't that cool? See, so he was having his eyes open. I'm having my eyes open. Our eyes make contact, and a kingdom moment happens. Um, so the gifts can be beautiful when we're walking in the Spirit and using them in uh, biblical and balanced ways. So today we're going to talk about the uh, gift of uh, faith and the gift of healing and the gift of miraculous powers. We're telling this message, uh, the mystery of the miraculous, for reasons that may become clear later on. And the passage is, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 7 through 11, where he says this. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. That, those are the three that we'll be talking about here. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits, as Shauna talked about last week. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages. Uh, and to still another the interpretation of those tongues. We'll be talking about that next week. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Pray with me here for a moment. Abba Father, thank you for the Spirit, that one Spirit who uh, gives gifts as he wills. And I pray, Lord, that for every person in this auditorium and every person listening through podcast, uh, I have a tremendous blessing on them, and I pray this word is used, uh, infused with your authority to be used to carve in us an openness a hunger to be used in these charismatic gifts. Uh, Lord, collapse any anxiety that some may have, any worries, concerns, uh, and help us to be receptive to this. Holy Spirit, uh, only you can do this. Only you can build the kingdom. My words are worthless unless you are the one empowering them. So come, Holy Spirit. Build your church. Build your kingdom in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. So let's start with the gift of faith. The gift of faith. This is one of the charismatic gifts that I think is most misunderstood. Uh, What you think gift of faith means will depend on what you think faith means. And as I've shared here uh, before, uh, I think Western culture, contemporary Western culture, has a fairly jacked up view of what faith is. Uh, Most people today think that faith is a psychological concept. Do you have faith? Well, you're asking about something in my head. And therefore, it gets equated with uh, a sense of certainty. A person's faith is as strong as they are psychologically certain. That's kind of the concept. A person with strong faith is one who just never doubts. They're just certain. And so certainty becomes a virtue, and doubt becomes a vice. And so then you create a culture of people who are trying to make themselves certain of the things that they believe and trying not to doubt. And that causes massive dysfunctions on a lot of levels. I talk about that in my book, Benefit of the Doubt, which I would strongly recommend for all of you who haven't read it yet. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it just gets jacked up. So if faith is about certainty, seeking certainty, well then the gift of faith, the supernatural gift of faith, must mean that you're just absolutely certain. You're supernaturally certain about something. Well, that is a gift. But that's, that's more like a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. It, it, that's not the gift of faith. 
Faith in the Bible is not a psychological concept. It is a covenantal concept. It's about a covenantal relationship that you enter into with another. And it's uh, about trusting their character and pledging to walk trustworthy uh, in relationship to them and honoring the covenant. It's about persisting in a uh, relationship over a course of time. Uh, How certain you are isn't the the issue, as long as you're confident enough to make the commitment. Your level of certainty is irrelevant, as long as you're confident enough to make this commitment. So biblical faith isn't about seeking certainty. It's about a commitment to persistently walk in a certain way in the face of uncertainty. Whereas psychological faith uh, is the opposite of doubt, uh, biblical faith presupposes doubt, because you're not certain. That's why they call it faith. (laughs) You, You walk with this trust and trustworthiness. So the gift of faith isn't this supernatural certainty. It's a supernatural willingness to persist on something that God has called you to. This, this, uh, despite all the obstacles that may be there, all the challenges, despite what it looks like, you are called to this and you're going to be persistent on pressing in that direction. That is the gift of faith. Here's an example of it. Best one I have. Um, when I was going through grad school at, at Princeton, I was the assistant pastor of this church, uh, this Pentecostal church. And the senior pastor, a real man of God, David Farina, just a great man with great faith, the most long-winded preacher I've ever heard in my life, but he he was a great man of faith. You think I'm long-winded? This guy could go on and on and on. Anyways, God bless you, David Farina. Uh, But uh, here's what happened. Eight years before I got there, he had driven up to this one street corner, and on that corner was this old supermarket that had always been there, almost always. And uh, he had a strong sense. It just came on him that he was supposed to pursue getting his church into this building. Uh, he, he wasn't certain that he was going to get into that building. That would have been a word of knowledge. But he was certain he was supposed to pursue getting in there. And that's more the gift of faith. The um, thing is, he had this little church, a little Pentecostal church, about 100 people in this old, dilapidated old church building. But he feels like he's supposed to pursue going that direction. It's very much like what we got. Uh, I, I shared this several weeks ago. When we were without a building and praying about a building, and Jance gets this bizarre vision of concentric circles and like a, like a target, and she sees a spear pointing in the inner circle at a particular place, and then three days later we find this map that's got those circles, and we put, point where that arrow was, and it's this building. Uh, and we felt, we're, therefore, we're supposed to pursue getting this building, even though it was way more than we could afford, even though there's a lot of obstacles, we just felt like we were supposed to press in in, the, in, in, in that direction. Uh, that is what faith is all about. The gift of faith is a supernatural empowerment to do this. So uh, Pastor Farina gets this conviction, goes home, uh, looks up who's the owner of this, uh, this building, which turned out to be three guys, and just writes a letter to him saying, I, I'm interested in buying your building, even though the church was poor and had no money. I, I, I'd like to buy your building. Uh, for the next eight years, this guy, every couple months, would send the, the, a letter to the owners of this building and just saying, I, I'd like to purchase your building. Sometimes he'd call. Uh, they never responded to his letters, and when he would call, they would just say they're not interested, and they thought he was kind of a fruitcake. Um, but he just kept, on, just kept on doing it for eight years. Uh, he, all, all during that time, had people praying. He would be praying. His board prayed. He had a prayer team that was dedicated to this. Um, and he would be saving up funds, uh, setting aside funds, uh, so, so when this opens up. Now, there's some obstacles he faced, some, some huge ones. Um, about five years into this, this had been a, a very successful supermarket. It was the only one in town. But a different supermarket moved into town. It was one of these, I think it was Red Owl, one of these uh, chain supermarkets. And it was more conveniently located, had a broader section of food. And so business started going that way. So this thing starts to dry up. And Pastor Frina and the board, they're thinking, praise God, you know, they're going to 
call us and want to sell us this building. Didn't happen like that. All of a sudden, it becomes a Jewish community center. And Pastor Frieda calls him up and says, what is with this? I've been trying to you know, buy this building from you, and you don't even put it on the market. Well, it turns out it was an inside deal where uh, a fight happened between the owners, and so one owner bought off the other two owners. Um, and it was just changed over to him, and since the business at the supermarket was going down, he changed it into a Jewish community center. Uh, Pastor Frieda asked him, well, how much did you pay for it? And he said, $5 million. Um, at this point in time, uh, Pastor Frieda knew that he had enough savings that he could get a $2 million loan. So he says to the guy, well, uh, I'd like to buy it from you for $2 million. <laughs> The guy says, I just told you I paid $5 million for it. And Pastor Frieda says, but I'd like to buy it for $2 million. Um, <laughs> doesn't hurt to ask. You know, with God, anything's possible. The guy just thought he was a total fruitcake. So uh, that was the end of that. His board got very discouraged, thinking maybe this isn't the will of God. And, and uh, you know, others got discouraged, but Pastor Frieda didn't. Every time he went by that building, he just sensed a reconfirmation that he's supposed to keep pushing in that direction. And so he kept on saving money, kept on praying, kept on writing letters, kept on making phone calls. Uh, I get to this church eight years after he first got this sense. And he told me the story, what they were involved in. And I, after I got hired, I thought, oh, great. I got hired by a fruitcake. Uh, this guy's a crackpot. But um, yeah, you, you never know. So um, it seemed nice enough in other ways, so I'll just go with it. But um, shortly after I got there, he gets a phone call from the lawyer of the guy who owned the Jewish Community Center. And the lawyer says, uh, sir, I've got eight years of, of letters here saying that you're interested in this building. And apparently you had a phone call a couple years ago where you offered $2 million. Is that offer still on the table? And what had happened was there was some kind of legal scandal that happened between the owner and the board. And they had to dro- drop this building like yesterday. The only way out of this legal problem was to get, get rid of this building. Um, and I, he couldn't tell me the details, but uh, they had to get rid of it fast. So the guy says, is a $2 million offer still on the table? And Pastor Frina, who's always very savvy and frugal to a fault, he says, no. And the guy says, well, will you do it for $1.5 million? And Pastor Frina goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you $1.5 million for it. Now, at this point, he saved up enough uh, that he could get a, th- a $3 million loan. And at this point, the church was growing to the point where they actually needed a building. I mean, they were just busting at the seams. So he says, I'll give you one and a half million. It was sold for that. And so he took one and a half million to buy the building, another one and a half to renovate the thing. And within nine months, we were in that supermarket. That is the gift of faith. God supernaturally gives you, yes, amen. Regardless of what it looks like, regardless how stupid it is, regardless of the challenges, you just keep pressing on. You've just got that inside of you, this roar that, that I, I'm going to keep moving in this direction. Don't know the outcome, but I'm going to keep moving in this direction. And maybe others who don't have that gift are saying, you're crazy, you're nuts, this is stupid, but you keep pressing on. That is the gift of faith. Uh, so whenever you're in a ministry that requires a lot of patience or, or anything that requires endurance, persistence, against all odds, ask the Spirit to give you this gift, to go beyond your natural ability to be stubborn and, and, and persistent and, and, and patient. You get God's patience and God's persistence and God's strength uh, to accomplish this test. Now, one other thing I'll say about it is this. It's important when you're in a ministry or task or relationship that requires persistence um, against all odds, that you keep checking in with the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Uh, people make decisions, uh, angels make decisions that affect things that come to pass. And sometimes circumstances change and windows of opportunity can close. And so it can happen that a, a plan that God has to move you this way, it gets closed because of decisions that people or angels or whatever make. And so now God wants to reassign you something. 
But if you're not listening to the Spirit, you'll still keep going on last year's call. And you may find yourself stubbornly hitting your head against a wall uh, where God knows that that wall is not going to move. And it's trying to tell you, but if you're not listening, uh, then you'll just keep on doing it. Just because God called you to something last year doesn't mean that he's calling it to you this year. It doesn't mean you heard wrongly if he changes the plans. You find this in the Bible all over the place. God changes his mind about things because circumstances change. This was feasible. It's no longer feasible because these people made this decision. So now let's go in this direction. That door closes. Let's go in this direction. So, so folks, walking in the Spirit isn't about coasting on something he told you to do five years ago. It's listening to the Spirit today, moment by moment. We need to be walking in step with the Spirit. Because God knows all the things, all the variables, knows the best place for you to put your time, put your energy, put your persistence to. doesn't want you wasting time on something that's no longer a, a possibility. And this is also why God could call you to something, uh, like calling us to pursue this building, but it may not turn out. Um, it doesn't mean that we, did, we heard God wrongly. It just means that people made decisions or angels made decisions uh, that changed the circumstances. What would happen if these three owners hadn't gotten a fight? You know, a lot of things could have happened that would have changed the plan. Uh, but God saw that this was possible, maybe even feasible, and so he pushes David in this direction, and he's working behind the scenes to bring it about. So stay in touch with the Spirit. Always be checking in on what's going on today. Don't coast on yesterday's calling. All right, that's the gift of faith. Here's the gift of healing. It's not a hard one to figure out. You have a supernatural ability. You know, this isn't something that resides in you. It's something that's given to you at a particular time for a particular person. When you pray for people, for this person, they get healed. That's the gift of healing. Uh, a miraculous healing comes about. Uh, some people think that this gift is no longer for today. Uh, and they are wrong. <laughs> uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says that this is supposed to end. Uh, and in fact, we find throughout history and yet today, uh, people being supernaturally healed of various infirmities that they have. Here's a great book that I uh, would recommend. It's by a friend of mine, Craig Keener. Uh, it's entitled Miracles. It's a two-volume work, actually. And his main goal is to show the credibility of the New Testament miracle accounts. But he does that in part by showing, tracing history. Uh, uh, as a scholar, it's a very scholarly book. Two volumes, about 400 pages of the piece. Lots of footnotes, which I love. I think they're yummy. You might find them kind of boring. But it, it, he documents. He documents all of these Eyewitness accounts and personal experiences of people who have been healed and had other miraculous things happen to them. And it is just amazing uh, to see this. Some, some accounts aren't well documented, and some accounts you know, just don't deserve much credibility. But some of them are absolutely undeniable. Things that happen in public with many eyewitnesses, no motive to lie, and all of that. Uh, these things are still real, and they're still happening. And they're important. Healing is an important aspect of the kingdom. Here's why. Because... Healing is uh, sickness, infirmities, diseases, disabilities. Those aren't part of God's beautiful plan for your life. They happen in a fallen world uh, through no fault of your own. They, they, these things happen. Uh, but uh, God is, if you take Jesus as the paradigm of what God is like, and we must, he always comes against those things as being ultimately from the evil one. He's on the side of life. He says, I've come to give abundant life, life to the full. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. He's on the side of life, on the side of wholeness. And so where God reigns, where, where, to the degree that God is reigning in a place, we're, we're to be coming against everything that is not consistent with the will of God so we can bring about his will on earth as it is in, in heaven. And healing is a part of his will. I mean, Jesus was the incarnation of the kingdom, right? This is what it looks like for a human life to be fully kingdomized. And yet he always was coming against the sickness, diseases, and infirmities. 
And our job, folks, as Jesus' followers, is to imitate him, right? We're, we're to be Jesus' imitators, including in his willingness, his desire to come against sickness and disease. And so I encourage us, whatever we're coming against, whenever we have or a loved one has or, or anyone we feel called to is, 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 uh, uh, has an infirmity or a disease or a sickness or whatever, use the kingdom authority to come against it and ask God for the gift of healing. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go to a doctor and get it checked up and take an aspirin or Pepto-Bismol or whatever it needs to take. Yeah, you shoot in the natural direction because there's always a natural dimension of this. But as well, we need to remember that we have a unique authority to speak into this kind of stuff, and we come against it in Jesus' name. And sometimes you will find, sometimes you will find uh, a beautiful kingdom manifestation uh, where the person is, is healed, relieved of their, their infirmity. So here's an example of that here at Woodland Hills Church. Uh, two weeks ago, when I was at this conference, um, I was with some of our young kingdom revolutionaries, beautiful young revolutionaries here. And uh, the conference had just ended. We were just talking, and someone gets a phone call from a friend up here in Minnesota. Um, and it was about their friend named Jamie. Jamie gave me permission to share this. Um, she found uh, several weeks ago that she was having trouble walking. All of a sudden, just kind of couldn't put any weight on her leg, and it got worse and worse and worse, and then one, three days later, she couldn't get out of bed. She, she couldn't walk at all. The leg was just inoperative. She calls her husband and says, I can't get out of bed. We've got a nine-month-old baby. You come home, and you've got to take me to the emergency room. They go to the emergency room. Uh, they do MRIs or CAT scan, one of those kind of things, and they find three dark spots, two on her spine and one on her hip. And the doctor was very frank with them that... Uh, didn't know what else this could be other than cancer. Uh, it looks like cancer. And at her age, they said, if it's showing up there, uh, it's probably other places as well. She says it was the darkest moment of her life. Uh, they've got three children. She's a young lady, and now she's got this diagnosis. It, it, that's as serious as it can get. Probably other places as well. So they do the right thing. They pray against it. They call others to pray against it. And that's how it got down to uh, our conference. As soon as we heard this, we gathered around, uh, joined hands, and we just said, in Jesus' name, we come against this cancer and anything in the spirit world that is influ influencing or causing this cancer. We, we bind it in Jesus' name, and we declare Jamie to be kingdom property, and you have no right to be here. And Holy Spirit, we, 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 uh, I ask you to be working in our life, to be bringing this healing, and we stand on the authority of Jesus Christ, and we speak into it, say, cancer, you must leave uh, in Jesus' name, and we just pray total healing and restoration to her body. And we just prayed on like that. Two days later, uh, one friend gets a call, and she had gone back to a... a, a specialist to get further diagnosis. Uh, they did a number of tests on her, a number of scans on her, and there was no sign of cancer whatsoever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That is a God going... That's the reign of God. The reign of God in power. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. I mean, that was interesting, but her leg didn't immediately get all of its strength back. It was like a residue of this thing. Uh, it's been improving ever since. I talked to her yesterday, and she said that it's 90, 95% better. She was walking around at a market, so it's gotten much better. But that wasn't in instantly restored. Uh, it, was, it, it was a healing with a kind of gradual follow-up healing. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, even Jesus, the Son of God, uh, had to sometimes be persistent in prayer. Uh, there was a guy who he, he, uh, was blind, and he prayed for him. And after praying for him, uh, he asked the guy, can you see? And the guy says, well, kind of. He's like, I see people, but they look like tree stumps. Um, 
Well, that's not good. So Jesus uh, prays again. You see, it, it was a gradual thing. And, and, and we have to realize that, see, prayer, prayer isn't magic. It's warfare. Prayer is warfare. We're coming up against things that aren't God's will. And there's agents behind them. Um, there's things in the natural realm and in the supernatural realm that's pushing back at you. And so we need to expect that maybe sometimes it'll happen quickly, but other times it's going to take persistence and work. Um, and and we've got to be willing there. Pray for the gift of faith to keep on pressing on as long as God wills you to keep on pressing on. The warfare is around us. We've got to remember that. Jesus one time said this. He goes, his disciples were out. Uh, he sent them out, the 70 disciples, two by two. And they were healing people and casting out demons and even raising the dead. I mean, that's impressive kingdom stuff. They come back and... Uh, this guy brought to them a demonized child, his demonized uh, son, and they couldn't cast the demon out. Now, why could we do it over there but not here? What's with this? We have as much faith as we did back there. It's the same stuff. Why is it different? Does God not will this kid to be, be uh, set free? That's how some people think. Whatever happens is God's will, so he just must, he wills that person to be healed and that person not to be healed. And others would say, oh no, it's because that person had faith and that person didn't have faith. But it's not about that. Jesus said, this kind of demon doesn't come out except through a lot of prayer. Some, some manuscripts add, and fasting. I mean, this one's going to take a lot of work because it's stronger or something. It's, it's got a more tenacious hold on the kid. Not all demons are, are, are created equal. There's some that are stronger than others. And, and, and so as you're pushing in a kingdom direction, how quickly it can happen or even whether or not it can happen will have something to do with the strength of the opposition. Could also have to do with the number of the opposition. Uh, Jesus, normally when he uh, came upon a demonized person, he just said, get out, and the demon was gone. He's the son of God. But um, one time that didn't happen. When he went to the town of Gerasene, uh, there's a guy who was thoroughly demonized there. He was all chained up. Uh, the people had put him in chains, but you sometimes break the chains. Uh, so Jesus comes and he commands the demon to leave, and the thing doesn't. I don't know if you ever noticed this. This is Mark 9. It starts talking back. It starts negotiating. And so Jesus, this is the only time he ever asked this question. He goes, what's your name? Yeah, he, he was, he's in the power of the Spirit, knew that something else was going on here. Because uh, this thing had the power to, to, to push back on his command. And he got his answer. We are, I am legion, for we are many. Legion referred to a Roman guard of about 6,000. We are legion, for we are many. So this guy was packed with demons. And the, 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 the sheer number of them gave them extra power to push back on, on the kingdom when, when Jesus brought it. And so then, then Jesus, they try to negotiate not to be sent out of the region. They end up going into these poor pigs who then they go crazy and kill themselves. Uh, the great pork suicide. But um, it, it, you, you know the count's got to be true because no one makes something like that up. It's just so bizarre. But the point is, folks, here's the thing. There, we are in a state of, of, of warfare. This earth is, is a battleground. And um, uh, everything we do in the kingdom is going to bump up against the kingdom of darkness. Uh, but see, that's a realm we know very little about. We don't know what the going is on up there, how, what, what kind of fighting is going on among the angels, how, how many things we're up against, the strength of the things we're up against. We don't know any of that. And so, of course, it's going to look totally arbitrary to us. Why? Why one person's healed, why another's not healed? Why sometimes it's instant, sometimes it takes a long time, and sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Uh, there's all, all these variables that, that affect this. I, I interviewed a, a woman one time. Uh, I, was, I did this for a book. I was collecting stories on miracles and stuff. And, and uh, she was a, uh, a missionary to Mozambique, way out in what they call the bush country, deep into the country. Uh, and she, she was on a, a missions team, a medical missions team, that was going to unreached people groups. And so there was a team of doctors and nurses that would go into these, these, these tribes 
And what they would do is they would pray for the people who had infirmities, and they'd also offer them medicine. And then they'd spread the gospel. Uh, Now, she said normally we would have, oh, a few healings here and there, but most of the healings came from the medicine we brought. This one tribe she came to, however, was different. Uh, The first person who they prayed for turned out to be the the tribe's shaman. Shaman, that's kind of like the witch doctor, the priest of this tribe. Uh, He was blind, had been blind for several years. So they prayed for him, and he improved a little bit. So they prayed again, and he improved more, and they did that five times till the guy, his eyesight was totally restored. And then the shaman, in, in, in these tribal uh, uh, folks, they, they will always go with the God that's more powerful. That's their criteria. It's not a, we Westerners ask the que- truth question, what's the evidence? They say, who's more powerful? We're going to follow that one. So this proved to the shaman, he'd been trying to use the, his, his uh, tribal God to get healing. It never happened. But Jesus healed him, so he surrenders his life to, to Christ. Then she said, for five or six days, uh, almost everyone they prayed for was healed. It's just like all of a sudden there's an explosion of healing power that they all had the, the gift of healing. Um, and she said, I, I saw, personally saw with my own eyes, like huge goiters just all of a sudden shrink and disappear. And rashes all of a sudden just, just vanish. And a lady who couldn't, hadn't been able to walk for two years all of a sudden could walk. And this other lady was bent over scoliosis and she could straighten up. And there's all these things that happened, overt supernatural stuff. It was wonderful. And... Everyone who, who was healed gave their life to Christ. It was just this massive conversion of this tribe. Uh, yeah, praise God. Now, the thing is, they turned over the discipling of this tribe to a fellow missionary organization that did that kind of thing, and they moved on to the next tribe. They get to this next tribe, and nothing happens. Zippo. They, it, they use their Western medicine, but no healings happen. And the question they were asking is, how come we could do it there but not here? It all of a sudden just dries up. See, the, the, the gift of faith, it's not promised for tomorrow. It's always given for, I mean, the, the gift of healing, it, it's, it, all these gifts are occasional gifts. They come to us for a particular reason, for a particular purpose at a particular time. And so we ask the question, why is it so arbitrary? This person gets healed, this one not. Why an explosion of miracles happens at this time, but not a later time, or at this place, but not in another place? And some say, well, it's just because God's up there going eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And others say, no, it's because that group had faith and the other one didn't have faith. But notice that no one in that tribe who got healed had faith until after they got healed. It's not just about God's will and our faith. Although faith is an important variable, there are, there's a war going on. There are millions, maybe trillions of variables that are out there affecting what comes to pass. Um, and we don't know much about that at all. Uh, unless God gives us a little peekaboo behind the scenes like it happens in Daniel 10, which explains why his prayer was delayed. But unless we have that, we don't know about that. And so it's going to appear totally arbitrary to us. We just have to get used to saying, the que- saying I don't know. I, we, we don't know. But we've, in the midst of a world that we don't know because it's too complex and there's an unseen world and we're at war, in the midst of that, what we've got to know is that God is good all the time. All the time God is good. He looks like Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He's on the side of life, never on the side of death. Amen. He's not an arbitrary God. And we've got to know that our job isn't to understand all this stuff. Our job is to be persistent on doing his will and just carrying out his will on earth as it is in heaven. Keep on pushing in, 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 in the kingdom direction. Uh, and, and so we need to be asking God for the, for the gift of healing uh, so that we can see God manifested uh, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our own lives. Uh, and bringing about his will on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when that gal told me that, that story about in Mozambique, I got a picture. You know, if you study history, and this you see this in Craig's book, uh, Craig Keener's book as well, but uh, history is characterized by explosions, like revivals of healing and other things, supernatural things, that happen at a particular place in a particular time, sometimes involving one person, sometimes not. 
But there's these explosions that happen, revivals and stuff. Uh, and sometimes they last a week, sometimes a month, sometimes a year. But they all eventually stop. It's bam, 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 bam. And there's these dry periods in between. And the image I've got, and this is just an analogy, but, you know, Satan's called the principality and power of the air because he's got authority. Uh, even though he's fatally wounded, still has this lingering authority over this earth. Uh, John says in 1 John 5.19, he controls the entire world. He, he's the God of this age, Paul says. Jesus calls him the prince of this world. So this world is under the, this dark cloud, as it were, dark cloud of, of uh, demonic activity, oppressive demonic activity. And it blocks much of the kingdom light coming in. If the, if the kingdom is like the sun, much of the light doesn't get through. Uh, the fact that anyone is saved shows that some gets through, but it's largely blocked. The power of it is largely blocked. But once in a while, and for reasons that are too complex for us to understand, uh, maybe some of it having to do with people's faith and persistence, but it also has to do with what's going on in the angelic realm, we're able to poke a hole in the cloud. And bam, the sunlight comes down, and, and, and you see the reign of God manifested unambiguously, and the supernatural dimension of the kingdom just breaks through. Invariably, they eventually close. But then later on, another one opens. Um, we don't know where, how thick that cloud is over this area or anything like that. But whether we're in a moment of wonderful sunlight or whether we're in a dark cloud, our job is to be faithful in season and out of season. Just keep on doing what God tells us to do. And that includes praying for the sick. It, it, it includes asking God for all of, of these supernatural gifts because, folks, we, we need them. All right, the third one here um, is miraculous powers. I can deal with this one fairly quickly. Uh, this is simply uh, supernatural manifestations uh, of all sorts other than healing. Healing is in a class by itself. But whenever there's miracles that are done for the purpose of furthering the kingdom. So this isn't a parlor trick show here. Uh, all of these are to be acts of love in serving others. It, it furthers the kingdom of God and it builds the church. Um, so in, in, the, in the ministry of Jesus, we see him uh, you know, multiplying loaves and fishes. That's a, the gift of miraculous powers. That's a miracle. Uh, it's, it's, it, it bears witness to the reality of God and furthers the kingdom and serves people. Uh, he walks on water. That's an impressive uh, demonstration of the uh, gift of miraculous powers. Uh, he changes water into wine. Some of us wish that we had that gift. Uh, it's, it, it's a real clear demonstration of the kingdom. He, 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 he re, rebukes a storm, calms a storm, a life-threatening storm. All of that falls under the category of, of miraculous powers. And see, here, here, as well as with healing, we're really pushing up our, against our naturalistic Western worldview, where we are all, at least in the Western Hemisphere, those folks who are raised in uh, other cultures are exempt from this, but we are conditioned to believe that there's a natural cause for every natural effect. And so when we hear stories of the supernatural, we tend to be skeptical. And sometimes we should, because not all stories are, are true. Uh, they can be exaggerations. We don't want to be gullible. On the other hand, one of the things that you find in Craig Keener's book is this massive documentation of all of these incredible, incredible miracles that happen. And many of them have really good documentation because they were public things. People, you've got, if you have one person, well, how do, you, how do you confirm that? But if you've got five or 50 or 500, uh, they'd all have to be making it up. And, 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 and that's very unlikely. So these are well-documented stories. And some of them are just beautiful. Like, here, here's one. Uh, in 1979, there was, in Nigeria, uh, at a particular town, uh, a guy came, doctor something or other, uh, and he was going to lead a one-day crusade. Uh, and and um, so they, they, they were having it in this kind of a stadium thing, and um, all preparing for it. Now, this town that they were in was given over to this religion. I'd never heard of it before I read his book, but uh, it, it was dedicated to the god Shanko. 
And Shanko was a storm god. And the high priest of this Shanko religion uh, didn't want to lose converts to these Christians. And so they were praying that something would come to prevent it. The god they worship, Shanko, is a storm god, thunder god. And so they're calling upon Shanko to stop this from happening. The day, or the day before this campaign was supposed to take place, uh, a storm started, suddenly started to appear. It had been, they had been in a drought for like three months, and all of a sudden a storm uh, 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 appears and it's headed right for them. It gets to the point where they can see it on the horizon, thunder and all, it's coming in their direction, dark clouds. And it looks like the campaign's going to get rained out. The high priest then very publicly says, uh, this is a proof that Shanko is a greater God than their Jesus. Uh, he's going to rain out their Jesus campaign. So the Christians, very publicly, start to rebuke this thing, uh, take authority over it in Jesus' name. And uh, again, this was documented. A lot of people saw this. The storm stops right where, where it's at. And another person gets like a word of knowledge and says, we need the rain, but not tonight. Uh, that will happen tomorrow. Uh, right now, that storm's going to stay right where it's at, and we're going to have our campaign. They have the campaign. It proves that Jesus is a stronger God than Shanko. The whole town converts. Uh, and then next day, it pours rain, and uh, the ground is, is uh, watered again. Praise God. That kind of thing happens all over the place. It's, uh, he's got stories in there of, of people, missionaries, and, and other Christian workers driving hundreds of miles on an empty tank of gas. They run out of gas, but as long as they keep praying, it's like the engine's running on their prayers, you know? Um, one guy, one guy, didn't, he felt led to pour his water into the gas tank, uh, and the car ran on that. Uh, you know, Jesus changed water into wine. Why not water into gas? Though I wouldn't recommend that unless you're really sure that God's telling you to do that. That, that could jack up your, your engine you know, pretty good. There's a number of accounts. He's got, you know, uh, hundreds of pages of this kind of stuff uh, of, uh, of, of uh, uh, people having uh, food multiplied to feed way more people than you'd be capable of feeding. Or he tells a story of water being multiplied as this one group was stranded out in this uh, place in Africa where there's no water available. They're stranded right there. Uh, they only had one canteen to go around at this point. And they shared it for two days in the hot sun, and the thing never ran out. They, this, it was just, it was just as full as it was uh, when they passed it around as it was before they passed it around. Those kind of things, folks, uh, happen, and so we need to be open to that. Um, it goes against our Western worldview, but forget our Western worldview, man. That thing's got to go. That's, that, that thing's, uh, it's, it's, it's not helping us. Also included in this category are, is the ability to cast out demons. Um, that's uh, miraculous power. And that also, he's got hundreds of pages of documentation on this all over the place. One of the things, Paul Eddie and I have done some, a lot of research on this because of this class we teach at Bethel. But uh, you find all over the place throughout history, uh, exorcisms are, are just assumed. People, they know that folks get demonized and they try to have ways of casting them out. And what's amazing are the commonalities. The, the demonized people, when they're being exorcised, when the demons being cast out, all tend to manifest the same sorts of things. And sometimes there's well-documented supernatural features to this. In fact, some of the documentation isn't even from Christians. It's from secular anthropologists who get freaked out as they go into this tribe and they see this stuff happening. Uh, accounts of, of uh, people levitating, of, of people being contorted in, in ways that the human body can't possibly bend and move and, and things like that. Uh, people speaking demonic tongues, curses and languages that they don't understand. Um, objects moving on their own, or even objects floating in the air on their own, those sorts of things are, are rather common in these deliverance sessions. I've actually witnessed one time, uh, in one of the first times I ever confronted a demonized girl, uh, uh, it has supernatural, a supernatural dimension to it. I was at the end of this co conference I was teaching at, 
close with this prayer in which I came against Satan. And this girl starts freaking out, hitting, scratching, spitting, falling on the floor, writhing around. First thing I notice is that her face is twitching in the most eerie ways. I don't think people can twitch like that. It was like a, a Steven Spielberg movie in fast motion. It was just like, it was so weird. It gave me goosebumps. And then one time I'm, I'm praying with, with uh, I, I have the people leave the room and I and a few others are just uh, uh, coming against this thing. At one point she grabs me uh, and she was very, very strong, which was unusual. And she, I mean, she's like 16 and I, I was a pretty buff 30 year old. She pulls me nose to nose like this while she's growling and staring me in the eyes her left eye rotated counterclockwise three times. You try to do that. <laughs> You'll sprain your eye. Um, no, and then she kind of like tossed me and started laughing. Uh, don't tell me the supernatural isn't real, man. I, I've seen it. <laughs> uh, you're going to have a hard time convincing me of that. Uh, you come up with a natural explanation for that thing. Now, here's what happened. I sensed, when that happened, I felt slimed and I felt like I was in the presence of pure evil. I mean, we talk about the presence of God. Well, there's a presence of pure evil here. But at the same time, I then felt this incredible power of God on me. Um, it was like right in the trenches where good and evil smash up against one another. And I don't know if this was the gift of miraculous powers or not, but it felt like it because it was like, Whoa. I roared. I was like, yes. And I just had this confidence that this thing, we're going to get this thing out of her. Now, it took six hours. Uh, Jesus, I don't think I've ever had to spend that long, but I'm not the son of God. Um, yeah, it took six hours. She said, well, what kind of gift is that if it takes six hours? But see, here again, you don't know what you're up against. You don't know how many you're up against. Maybe if it wasn't for that gift, it would have taken 60 hours. Or maybe it wouldn't have been successful at all. As it turns out, right in that six hours, something crazy came out of her. Uh, and she was then herself at peace. She got into counseling because there's often a psychological dimension to this. Wounds that happen that, that make people vulnerable to demonic interference. Uh, and then uh, to, now she is in ministry. She's been in ministry for, for you know, 15 years. Praise God. Yes. So, folks, that's examples of miraculous powers. Here's the thing. Maybe it's reading Craig Keener's book or whatever, but this has reignited in me a, a hunger. Uh, I want to poke a hole in that stupid cloud. I, 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 I want the kingdom sunshine just to come down. Don't you? Do you want to see the kingdom sunshine? See, but it's about us being willing to ask. In fact, Paul says, be zealous for the gifts twice. He uses the word zelao, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Some people say, oh, I'm open to the gifts. They just don't happen to me. No, being open is enough. Paul says, seek them, be zealous for them. Not because they're cool and spooky and you be more spiritual. No, but just because you can do more kingdom work this way. And so we need to be zealous for this. Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And James tells us, you don't have because you don't ask. So when was the last time we just asked God to just baptize us in his spirit and to pour forth these gifts and to see the kingdom sunlight come? Because I don't know about you. I think I do know about you. I think you want and I want to see God glorified by coming against infirmities and sickness and disease and demonization. I want to see people with mental illnesses healed. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see the blind to see. I want to see people restored. Praise God. That takes a supernatural dimension. And I think it's the most challenging aspects. It's one of the most challenging aspects for us uh, Western Christians is to really be open and seeking, desirous for that supernatural stuff to happen. And then we walk in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, and some beautiful kingdom stuff can begin to happen. So my challenge is, will you commit to seeking these gifts in the proper context, right? And they're, they're small groups and personal ministry and like in the New Testament church, not in large events, but in proper context, in biblical ways, asking God to pour out these gifts. 
And then when God shows up, you've got to tell people. You, you owe it to God to tell people. Uh, that's what builds faith, and that's what uh, encourages people to do more of the same. All right, I'm going to close uh, in a prayer to, heal, to seal this on our hearts, um, this conviction, this hunger. Uh, and as I do, I'd like to ask the worship team to come up here. We're going to go into another time of worship. Uh, I encourage you, remember, worship is about pouring. We are worshiping to the degree that we are 100% focused on him. Put aside all other considerations. Imagine who you're singing to. Imagine what you're singing about. Enter into it with all your mind. Enter into it with all your hands, all your feet. Like you had more than two. Um, and and, and uh, pour yourself out in extravagant worship of our Lord. We'll start by worshiping with an offering. So the ushers come up. Uh, and just encourage people to be listening to the Spirit and following God and being persistent in commitments when it comes to financially uh, supporting the ministry. Follow God's leading on how he would have you steward his resources. Uh, we've got a lot of great ministry going on here, but it costs a lot of money. But I thank you. You guys have been faithful, and I just so appreciate that. Be persistent in well-doing. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you seal this message on our hearts and make us hungry for it. Make us hungry for it, Lord. Uh, we don't know what's all going on in the spiritual realm, but we want to poke a hole in the demonic cloud and to see your sun just bathing down on us in all of its dimensions, including the supernatural. Work in our hearts and minds, Lord God. Put a crack in that prison of the Western worldview that tells us on some level that this just isn't real or doesn't happen. Uh, man, make us hungry. And now, Lord, as we worship you, uh, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, you just draw us in 100% focused on you. As we surrender to you, Lord, help us to surrender our finances and our time and everything else, that you can be glorified in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen.